hey bro, like I hate to do this, but like can you lend me a hundred k? Sure enough, I walk over to his house. He like flicks me four cranberries. He's like, okay, pay me back when you. I'm like, this is wild, man. Not many industries like can have this free flowing amount of money, but. What's up, everyone? Today we've got the best streamer of 2023. Uh, he's actually won an award for it, the Global Poker Awards, and he's one of the most successful poker streamers to date. And he's also uh, a champion of a reality show called Big Brother Canada. Welcome, Kevin Martin. Thanks, Dan, for the introduction. Yeah. That's very nice. It's great to be here, winning at life. I love talking uh, everything life-related. Mm -hmm. uh, you're a fascinating guy. I've always enjoyed our interactions. So for the next hour, I think we're going to go down some rabbit trails and explore some some topics, and I'm just looking forward to it all. And, uh, yeah, it's great to be here, man. That sounds good. And Yeah, we'll be going down a few rabbit trails of sorts and into that. Um, and uh, when delve into your career, it's quite a... Uh, quite a successful career, and you've pale, paved a couple trails yourself, it appears. Um, it sounds like you're one of the, well, from what I can tell, you're the, one of the early adopters of Twitch, and one of the most successful at it, one of the most successful at actually entertaining your audience. Um, how did... Dude, uh, thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. I've been in the Twitch game for a long time. 2014 is when I first broadcasted micro tournaments to what was it maybe an average viewership of 20 people 30 people oh, really? and uh, dude back then i was so bad bro people so, like my content was doing pretty good but i was actually so bad at poker that the general consensus was like you should give up They're like <laughs> the general consensus was like man you should probably find another industry like this just is not for you that's how shit i was at the game that's such a um, funny so it's feedback. been a <laughs> it was true, bro. I was horrible. I was really bad at uh, the actual card game. So, you know, like some people have natural talent in poker. Dude, my story is the seventh round draft pick. Like some guy who was not projected to be in the pros, some guy who was a, a late round draft pick and just had to work his ass off every day to kind of make it, you know. And uh, so it's been a different path than some, but. You know, blessed man. 2023, making content. I wake up every day and I make poker videos and I play poker and study poker full time. It's just like, you know, I'm loving life. It's really good. I'd say it's a it's a better attribute for sure to be really passionate about the game than to have some kind of natural talent in the beginning. I don't even know what that means, frankly. And by yeah. the way, uh, no one thought I would be good at poker. So, you know, I like got my ass handed to me for quite a while as well. But I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was last round pick but uh why don't we why don't you tell us a little bit about your story because uh it's um i think a, a lot of people would find it inspiring that you weren't exactly you know the guy who's like killing it right out of the gate but uh you know that you ended up winning what changed yeah dude my story was uh, i was born in northern canada it's just like a, a low-income family and I just like learned how to hustle from the time, you know, when you grow up and you don't have any money and everyone in your junior high, high school has all this money they just get from their parents to socially fit in. You learn to adapt and you learn to like, bro, I was hustling from a young age. I, was, I ran a, a lawn mowing business in junior high to make money. I, I was selling uh, soda out of my locker and had a, I, dude, I, I undermarketed the school soda system and I was moving more soda out of my locker to my classmates until the school came in and shut it down and they just said this wasn't allowed. So this entrepreneurial spirit just was always with me. And then I found poker at a young age of 21 in, in Canada 
And I said, this is it, man. I just loved the game so, so much. And I, I played one, two, no limit, one, two, no limit in Canada for a couple years just to pay the bills, just grinding, keeping track, you know, making like $22 an hour at the one, two, no limit tables. And then I got into content in, in 2014 and, uh, you know, shout out Jamie Staples. I always give him a shout out. He was the guy who told me to make poker videos. I thought he was wasting his life, bro. He, when he told me to make poker videos, I was like, what are you doing? This is just because back then there was no content. There was poker shows on TV, but nobody was making like individualized content back then. It was such a new idea. And now there's a whole new wave of you see like Rampage and Brad Owen and like you're in the content game recently as well. It's just a new, new thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, dude. I mean, yeah, you're in the content space now, which is great. You know, I love the the people who have made millions playing poker actually like trying to make content now. I find that very inspirational. Well, I think there's a lot more potential in there, and I also think it's there's something about it that's uh, less confined in a box. Whereas I find most poker strategy to be a little bit confined. So there's that. And um, by the way, to uh, be able to effectively start your own businesses when you're young even if they're like kind of simple is like i would say that's pretty much a, a hallmark of success this is like a pretty rare trait for most people to have uh so what changed when you were playing grinding one two uh, it was just you got into the content game or what was it exactly yeah well the exact story was i was playing one two you know i had just been on a i'd you know in canada the games were soft the rake structure was really good so I took a 5K bankroll and that's all the money I had. And I was very cautious. I tracked everything. I wrote my spreadsheets and I was like, I can't lose this money or else I have to get a part-time job. There was no plan B, right? I was like, I really don't want to get another job. I really want to be a poker pro. So I was very careful and I, I really crushed the one, two games in Canada. I won 16 straight months. Out of the 16 months, I had one month that was break even, but 15 of the 16 months were clear cut profit winning like eight, nine, 10, 11 buy-ins every single month. Like the games were really soft. I wasn't good either. I was just like the best of all the bad players. Um, and then my buddy Jamie in 2014 said he's going to start a Twitch stream. And I was like, what? What is that? What is a Twitch stream? And he's like, I'm going to play online poker, but I'm going to live broadcast my face and my games to the internet. Live. I was like, dude, you're, you're wasting your time. Well, live on a five-minute delay, uh, yeah. uh, as live as you can get. I was like, bro, you're wasting your time. I was like, we're crushing these games in Canada. You know, we're going to make probably 80K a year playing poker. I was like, this is the peak, bro. We're like, we've made it. He's like, no, trust me. I, I totally thought he was wasting his time. He started a Twitch stream in his basement. He was the first one to do it really well. It blew up. And in five months, he, f he signed a full sponsorship deal with PokerStars back in the day, which was like, you know, I was like, what is going on? And I saw him do this and make a full-time salary out of content. And it just inspired me so much. As soon as I saw what he did in four months, I said, I'm going to follow that path. And sure enough, I just started streaming like a week later. Um, and it's been a wild journey since then. But it was, it was him, dude. And then, you know, I, I wish it was like, I even wish I started earlier, especially like the YouTube videos and to see some of the success they've had and all these like, you know, there's so many people in the poker content world, but we had a huge advantage uh, getting in it very early because in 2014 if you put out a semi-decent product on twitch you could just like blow up and get a lot of viewers because there was like seven streams five of them didn't have face cams two people didn't have microphones like it was just the bar was so low back then that if we got in with a decent product and did really well so I'll, i'm always grateful for him for pushing me in that direction well it sounds like uh you found you found your thing and it just blew up and 
Uh, dude jungle we got to make some content bro i have some funny ideas i've you know i have some funny ideas that i want to collaborate we've been trying for a long time well, but you know you're you're busy uh no I, I i got a sick sick idea for us to execute on do you want to share it or do you, or do you think it's better to wait yeah let's share it bro i want me and you together we should do 100 prop bets in 24 hours okay we each have a stack of cash we each have a stack of cash and we have 100 decided on prop bets First prop bet, we rock, paper, scissors for $1,000. Second prop bet, we, we roll the dice. You know, we just have 100 different crazy gambling ideas. We both call an Uber on our phones at the same time. Whoever's Uber shows up first wins. That's 1,000. Like, just so. crazy ideas. 100 prop bets. We condense it down to, like, a 12-minute YouTube video. I think it would do really well. Okay. I mean, that sounds fun to me. I like the idea yeah. of, like, becoming, like, a waiter and like stuff like that too, just because, uh, I mean, if there's like some kind of way that make it fun and all of that, all these creative ideas uh, are entertaining for me, but I'm, I'm in on all of that stuff. We could play Mario Party for one. I read that you uh, like to play these kinds of games. Uh, Dude, I love all the strategy games. Chess, Mario Party, you know, that's why poker is so interesting to me as well. Any game that involves decision making and like equities and stuff. Mario Party is such an underrated game, by the way. Oh, it's Shout out Mario cool. Party. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people could probably play that for, like, small money and not, like, real money. I mean, there's, like, yeah. if, if they're not that familiar with it, there's lots of luck and all that yeah. in Mario Party. Dude, you're in Finland right now? Yeah. Right. I don't know anyone who travels as much as you. You're you're truly all over the world. Every time I check out your Instagram, you're in a different spot. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'm about to uh, uh, finish up. Um fun <laughs> came across my mind finished i couldn't help it but um yeah actually i'm gonna be done in like literally two days i'm flying back to the u.s and uh, back to being halfway normal and be i'll be in one place in la and do more sorts of crazy things um but yeah i'm uh, i'm in for all of that we have so many ideas and things to gamble on. Like, I want to get, like, two rodents from the pet store, and, like, we just pick one and let them race. Just the <laughs> gambling on weird things, you know what I mean? Because I've, I've been talking to, like, my non-poker friends about what kind of content they would consume. If it's too hardcore poker, I think it's going to miss the mark. But, like, I agree. gambling I agree. on zebra racing or something, it's that can <laughs> appeal to the wider, uh, the wider market, perhaps. I wonder if we can, like, have, like horse race or something well we can't do that it's too dangerous but like I, I admire your creativity i'll come up with some things too i wrote down a lot of ideas uh off the top of my head Maybe i got a question for you but i i just in lieu of the the topic of the podcast winning at life you're you're such an interesting person to me because i i study the top poker players in a way like i i've always i mean that's some reason I've had a little bit of success myself is I've just emulated what they've done basically. And I wrote this down as like, you know, money, success, poker results. That's a piece of the puzzle, but there's a lot of people in the industry with a lot of money that I don't, don't necessarily think are winning at life. Mm -hmm. um, and I just wonder, like, you're a guy that you seem to be like going all over the place. You have a positive influence. You're really empathetic to human suffering. Like you're always doing goodwill things and stuff. And I really respect that. So oh, I don't know, it's a bit you. of a broad question, but like what motivates you now that you've basically achieved financial freedom, you have lots of money, you have this like notoriety, what keeps you going and keeps you plugging away? 
Uh, a mix of things. I decided to try to like expand my career in the form of like what my legacy is. Uh, if I could in a way that was outside of poker, I mean, it was a bit of overconfidence, but, uh, tried to figure out how to do that. So here's the podcast. That's an example of that. In addition, uh, creating content is another example because the content you create, uh, creates influence, although it doesn't necessarily create money, which can also do both. Um, but, uh, one thing I became more interested in was in making an influence. So, uh, content became... It became a bit of an interest of mine for these reasons, and also a bit of curiosity, to be honest. Because after you play poker for a long time, uh, at least for me, I wanted to do other things with it and, and see how it could be played with and just do other things as well. Uh, I guess I just uh, have I have lots of... Um, how do you say? I, I, uh, I like to... Uh, have a lot of different experiences i guess you can say and yeah. get bored rather easily in addition i had like this i had many underlying interests and they kind of uh coalesce at one point and caused like a crazy epiphany that made my interests like explode even more when i was 29 um and since then i've had like kind of a wild uh few years of sorts that are just sort of all over the place um, but that's sort of the summary of what's been going on. I love it. I, very similar, like, uh, you know, th that vast array of experiences is what I want. And, you know, right now I'm 30. I've sacrificed. I've done a lot of cool stuff in my 20s, but I've also made this massive sacrifice to stream thousands of hours, get better at poker, make content, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, all of this. I've, I've, I've kind of like all I want to do is travel the world and experience everything. But that's like on pause for me in a way because I'm so committed to this mission of rising up through the poker world that like one day when I feel satisfied with what I've achieved, I'm very excited to like take a deep breath, take my foot off the gas career-wise. You know, I'll probably play poker for the rest of my life, but I'm excited to go into other industries, like explore other cultures and stuff. But I just, I, I feel like I have some FOMO in that regard because I've been so hyper-focused on this one thing. Wait. Um you might be able to combine the two a bit. Uh, I don't know mm -hmm. how well they'll combine just because in, I mean, it seems like, I mean, this is a question for you, really. It, it seems as though when you're streaming content, what really works is to find something that works and just keep hitting it like over and yeah. over and not to like diversify too much. But if you diversify more, it's like more appealing to yourself. And I mean, I see Mr. Beast does all sorts of crazy things and it seems to work really well. All these like, outlandish things like he like pays someone to hunt him uh <laughs> Dude, all time like, content goat yeah yeah and then uh i mean a number of those things ideas i had myself for example one idea i just remembered is uh there's a stream that we we're playing on and somehow the idea of being in the crocodile crevice came up and it turns out in colorado you can actually learn how to wrestle a crocodile in a, in a safe way i guess <laughs> like if you're up for that kind of stuff that might be pretty crazy um but i might uh entertain it's all idea. about the it's all about the risk to reward ratio as long as long as the the risk is very minimal like i don't want to like get messed up or die or get seriously injured but <laughs> yeah of course you know that's why i look yeah. at something like skydiving which on the outside appears very risky but it's actually like pretty you know low risky in, in real life yeah tying those to some sort of gambling opportunity i think is very interesting and 
Um, there's there's definitely room for you know there's classic content like Brad Owen or Rampage taking on the poker world. They have their formula and they've done very good, but there is a massive gap in the poker content market for people to be really creative and mm-hmm. hit like a new height and stuff. And then I see some people going after it, like the next gen guys or whatever. But yeah, fascinating, fascinating industry. I've just been so obsessed. Like in my life, I, I've literally just thought about poker, getting better at poker, making the best content. And I just my brain in kind of a sick way sometimes just like revolves around these things and you know i'm excited for the day to where i can like get into other interests and stuff but right now i'm just hyper focused on achieving this mission i do think that's good by the way because i had precisely the opposite problem um and i realized shit i gotta stop to be honest i realized i have to like travel less because mm. uh as my interest sort of blew up first of all if you become interested in a lot of different things, there's there's more things out there. Like there's no end to the things, yeah. and um, exactly. Just like, especially when I started traveling, that was like the biggest thing that uh, that took me to my focus to all different places. Whereas when I was just focused on poker, it led to quite some success. So I mean, it is a little bit risky to like dive too much into the creative sphere, but I, it looks like it can be done. Um, yeah. And definitely to uh, diversify your interests and focus too much leads to all sorts of problems. Uh, as Dude, I that's learned. like, that's so true. And I think that, you know, I heard a great quote one time talking about winning at life. People say they want to keep their options open. They want to keep their broad options open. But in a way, by keeping all the doors open, you kind of close all the doors. I've heard hi- hyper-specializing in a certain thing like, Write down your top 10 industries that you're interested in, top 10 that you really care about. Now, keep your top two and scratch the bottom eight out. And not only scratch the bottom eight out of your interests, like avoid them like the plague. Because if you're going to become special and do something special in a specific way, you need to be all in on that one thing. And I've heard a lot of people get hung up by chasing too many different paths instead of hyper-specializing in one path. So... I think you hit that point really nicely there. Yeah, I do think it's a bit of a complicated uh, problem to solve. I think there's still even still more to the story. Um, for example, it did work very well for me to start diversifying um, outside of poker into like mixed games and whatever um, from heads up no limit to these other games, um, and it became like less relevant to like super focus on like Raz or whatever. But I will say. Even even given that, it would have made sense to like absolutely focus 100% on Raz. So I don't know what the parallel to streaming would be, but maybe it'd be like you gotta focus on your production or something. Maybe maybe you can tell me if there's some kind of parallel to that or say something how to how to become yeah. like a good streamer to uh, the audience or to myself. Yeah, the ingredients to become a good streamer. There's a small list of things that you know. First of all, skill is a big thing, and that's where I lacked years ago, and that's where I've gotten better at the last couple of years. Skill's a big thing. People that watch you know, video games on the internet, one of the reasons people watch other people play Fortnite or whatever is they, they like to watch highly skilled individuals. People achieve a level of skill that just seems like mastery. So you know, that's definitely part of it. Another is like the story. And we've seen this. A lot of people go on Twitch. They're super sick poker crushers, but they don't really make a wave. That's because they don't have a story. They're kind of robotic. They don't have as much of a personality. So it's like the story of me going from 
micro tournaments to now competing at a higher buyer average, that's really, really gravitating. And that makes people believe it's possible in the industry because they've seen me work my ass off to, to elevate to this point. So that's like part of it. And personality, engagement, production, these things all matter. But yeah, I think you could basically, you could, in terms of streaming success, there's like probably five indicators you could write down that create sort of the formula. And someone like, you know, there's only two guys that are really ahead of me still, and that's Lex Veldhaus and Spraggy, and they, they really strike all five of those indicators really well, and that's why they're they're currently the best, but you know, so I'm close on their heels. So is it story, it's skill, it's um, production? Yep. Uh, what else are we missing here? Skill, story, uh, personality, oh, personality um, is, is a big one. one. Production, oh, okay. and I would say uh, general like stakes, basically. Uh, the what? bigger you play, the oh. big general poker stakes. Like if you play the nosebleeds, that's really going to help compared to the micros. Yeah, skill, story, personality, production, and stakes. And there's oh. a couple other like minor things as well, like collaborations and stuff. But you know, those basically are the foundation of. You know, if you gave me somebody's stream and I could watch it for five minutes, I could generally predict how many viewers they're going to get on average based off those metrics. But I mean, it's a little more complicated than that based off like everything is, but that's kind of a general, uh, 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 you know, assumption. Okay. Um, well, I, I've heard that you describe it as like savage job. Uh, why would you say that's the case? Dude, it's really savage because, you know, first of all, trying to play poker at a high level and win at poker is very difficult, right? You know, out of all the poker people who have tried to play poker, not many have made it. It's a top-heavy game. So going online, playing high-stakes MTTs, trying to survive, trying to compete, that's very difficult by itself. Not only are you trying to do that, you are combining it with another full-time job of running your Twitch channel, your TikTok, your YouTube. That is a full-time job. And both of these careers in general have a small chance of success like content creation is very top heavy we hear of mr beast you know we hear of air rack we hear of these really sick content creators but what we don't hear is the thousands and thousands of people who have tried didn't get traction gave up burnt out and quit and like that's the reality of content um so i, I always respect people who will make poker content because you're combining full two very difficult full-time jobs and you're trying to do it together Especially the guys who are playing high stakes, you're showing your whole cards, you're giving your thought process. You know what I mean? Like Eric Seidel used to be super scared of playing at a TV final table because he didn't want people to see his strategy. We are just going live to the internet and showing every single hand to the player population and everybody's watching. Anytime somebody plays a hand versus me, they know they can go to my stream and see my whole cards and, and like... You know, it's a pretty exposing uh, thing. And uh, so I, I respect the people who do it because it's it's a very tough job for sure. Um, I got a personal question for you. I'm thinking to yeah. stream, but I'm not thinking to stream full time. Yeah. Um, because I, I want to do other things. I don't I don't aspire to be, you know, a full time streamer. Is that like for a sure. viable career path or you just got to like. For someone it. like you, Jungle, it definitely is, uh, you know, because you could go live and you have the reputation, you have the name. If, you know, if me and you strategized, we could get you a nice little setup. We could give you a decent little production. Oh, yeah, you would do very well out of the gate because, you know, you offer that different kind of personality. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think you would kill it. If you go, I mean, you're not you're not in America right now, obviously, you know, playing on all the sites, playing the best tournaments would be very mm -hmm. smart. Um, but yeah. I, I, you would you would kill it. 
Uh, okay. All right. Well, that's good news. I, I've got too many aspirations is my problem, as we talked about. <laughs> I got another question for you that's kind of a weird question. Suppose a poker player doesn't have much of a personality. Do you think they can yeah. say to themselves, you know what? I could find a way to be more entertaining somehow. Do you think mm. do you think that that's a realistic thing for many of the pe aspiring poker players? Because you've probably seen a lot of them. Like, I played with a lot of these guys. Like, they don't put on much of a show. They don't know how to make too many jokes, a lot of them. And yeah. um, it's, not, it's not that common to have that. Uh, do you think that these guys can uh, can develop that? Or do you think it's something innate? Uh, what do you think? Hmm. I think it can be developed through real life experience, social situations, doing crazy things, expanding, growing your personality, of course. But you can't you can't bullshit. You can't bullshit. The audience sniffs it out really quickly. You have to be your authentic self. If you go live and, and put on a persona that's not true to you, eventually that will crack and the audience will sniff it out. And you can see that on, on YouTube sometimes. Like that's why people gravitate towards someone like Brad Owen, really down to earth guy who like, you know, is kind of a blue collar vibe, grinding it up from the small stakes. But like, you, you know, yeah, I think it can be developed definitely. As in life, people expand, grow, like we're not limited creatures. You have to be authentic, though. You, I've seen some guys try to bullshit, and it, it usually gets called out pretty quickly. Hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, by the way, I myself changed my personality, but it was a. I think I'm a bit of an outlier. Let's I, talk I, about that. I'm curious because I've also gone through some revolutionary changes in my adult life based on some situations, some trauma, some wild experiences, and I feel like I've come out the other end a little more refined and changed. But yeah, how has your personality changed? Well, um, it's, uh, I'm trying to think if it changed pre me being, um, well, it changed in a lot of different ways, to be honest. I, uh, removed a lot of bad habits, such as like complaining when I, uh, when I lost, it's complaining in a certain way when I lost, you can say. There's ways of complaining that are super obnoxious or being a bad winner or, uh, um, like, you have to like there's a number of things with how you talk to people you have to change which is basically like changing your personality and that's there should be classes on that in my opinion it's, it's just people are so so like they just don't know how to deal with people in all kinds of ways but other than that in terms of like being more fun and all of that that was more of a gradual process uh i it happened especially after i was like 29 or so where I started taking improv, I think this was probably the biggest thing that really had an effect. You can actually train yourself to be better at, at picking up puns, for example, but I don't recommend that particular change. Just because puns aren't really that great of a joke. Um, by the way, this podcast is a bit of an um, experiment for me to try to change my personality a bit. Because now I've got to be a host, now I've got to do all these things. I also was hosting parties. Um, so I needed to like, I kind of forced myself to like, uh, I was an introvert, so I had to like yeah. get out there and talk to people more and do all those sorts of things. So I had to learn, uh, social skills, at least quite a bit to a degree in various different ways. Uh, so that's basically what happened. I was, how do you say, goaded by, uh, I, I also did this weird thing where I maximized for, um, putting myself in many different life experiences. And so this also led to a lot of uh, different possibilities. It gave me more things to talk about. But I was like, I took a very uh, 
wild strategy you could say i really like a really wide strategy of of doing different things and it yeah it was like this it was big on uh big on personal growth does that make any kind of sense it all makes sense man i followed that whole thing and i i relate to it a lot as well you put yourself in the fire and and through that you put yourself in uncomfortable situations yes and through that you develop those skills you got refined probably got embarrassed a lot probably made a fool of yourself a lot but like Those momentary discomforts, once you go through them and come out the other side, dude, I totally relate to that. I came from a very unique, religious, kind of sheltered childhood where I didn't get exposed to the realities of the real world very much. So I came into like adulthood in a kind of a weird way. And the best thing I could that happened to me was I got cast on uh, a couple of reality television series. Mm-hmm. And because of my childhood... I was so sensitive to every opinion around me. I really cared what other people perceived me as. And I was hypersensitive to it and, and right. like way too much so. And it was a huge detriment. But going through reality television, being exposed, being like in a way like praised in a way and then at times humiliated on the show and, and made to look like a complete idiot. You come out of that. You get a lot of hate from the public. You're exposed in front of thousands and thousands of people. It's like an evolutionary thing. I think it's very built into our brains because let's say a thousand years ago, we're in little tribes. If you were ever publicly humiliated, that probably meant you were going to get banned from your tribe. You're going to be outcast. And if you got kicked out of your tribe, you're left alone in the wild. You're going to die. So there's like this evolutionary behavior that we want to be accepted by our peers going through what I went through and coming out the other end of it and realizing that it just doesn't matter. The strangers, they just don't, their opinions don't matter. And Mm -hmm. anyway, I had that experience and coming out through the other end of it, I gained this unbelievable self-belief and confidence in myself because I'd been through that situation, that extreme pain, that extreme wound, and I heal from it and I'm stronger because of it. So like, yeah, the personality development, that belief, that confidence, I can can totally understand where you're coming with, with all that. Um, well, you, you answered one of my other questions as, as to what the, the impetus was or what, what it was that caused that. But yeah, like you said, going into the fire and, uh, getting in these unusual experiences and, and also healing from them, I think is like the key point. Um, one thing I've read in psychology is that actually humiliation, if, if it's not healed from can lead people to do like very bad things. Yeah. Like it turns out, um, which I thought was very interesting. I learned this on accident, just reading about uh, people and their needs for, for status and to be respected on all this sort of thing. Um, yeah, I would say I had a yeah. I didn't have it exactly in the way that you had it, but um, I it it with me it was a bit with uh, you know a bit with women. It was a bit with being on TV. It was a bit with you know thinking how am I going to stand out. It's a bit with. Um, a bit with uh, just trying to like be more positive in different ways and find the positive in things. Um, the improv. I mean, I'm still not even done. I have all kinds of plans to do all that stuff. Uh, I want to ask also a bit more about um, your your reality TV shows because, from my understanding, uh, it went pretty well. You won the the Big Brother Canada. <laughs> like, is that the wait? Were you on? Oh, you were on it twice, yeah. and I guess Two you seasons, didn't win it the first yeah. time. Yeah. Right, the first season, I, I mean, I did win in a different way. Uh, my wife, who I just got married with, was a contestant on the first time. Oh. And we pretty much fell in love, and I got super distracted. And it took my mind off of the game and off the goal. 
and they voted me out. They got rid of me like about halfway through. Um, but yeah. I mean, I met my wife. We're married today. We, you know, we run this business together. So it's like, you know, and then two years later, they invited me to come back for a returnee shot. And through that second time, I was a little more focused, dialed. It wasn't easy, and there was a lot of waves, and a, it was a very controversial winner, but we did take it the whole way and, and, and win the whole show. So the first season, I met my, my partner for life. The second season, I won the cash. I won the whole thing. So it was like the full scoop, man. Pretty good experience overall. But, bro, that was the most intense thing I've ever done in my life. I've, you know, I've had these crazy poker experiences or whatever that pushed me to the edge, but Big Brother, being in that enclosed environment playing a game that's based off of lies deception manipulation bro that was 10 out of 10 stressful and the most insane experience i've had in my entire life nothing has come close to that how does that work because yeah. i i mean yeah how does that work i've never Dude, you should work. go you should go on one of these shows jungle i'd be very interested so there's there's a couple out there like the mole survivor big brother they're all based off the same thing you get a group of strangers usually 16 to 18 people and you put them in an enclosed environment where they're cut off from the outside world. No cell phones. Their only interactions are with each other. And you play a social strategy game. There's competitions where you can win power. People get nominated for eviction. There's voting structures. And one by one, through votes, power dynamics, a person leaves the house. So you know the, the rules are slightly different between Survivor and Big Brother. But the, the, the game remains steady. 16 people. You make friends. You make alliances. And one at a time, you leave the house until there's one person left. And that last person is the winner, and they win the cash and the glory and stuff. Um, so it's a very fascinating experience. I, I know about Survivor. I just ha I have watched that. I, I'm just kind of – one thing that's always kind of baffled me with this is I'm just sitting here thinking – I've never actually played the game, but I'm sitting here thinking, well, if, the, if, if like, everyone's always manipulating in the game, then – you know not to trust anyone, but how can, how yeah. can you then trust anyone? Because like everyone's like in a betray. But that's the thing. To win, you have to trust people. You have to form teams. You have to form alliances because that's how you get further in the game is having people trust you. So it really was a mind fuck. Like, you know, if you play Werewolf with your buddies or whatever, you play a five-hour game of Werewolf. Yeah. In that five hours, you cannot trust your friends. But once the game is over... You have no reason to lie to the people, right? Like we're having a conversation. There's no reason for us to be dece deceitful. The crazy right. thing about this game is, is it lasts months. You are in a social strategy game for months at a time. So I'm two and a half months into this thing. It really messed with my brain and took a lot of healing after because for two months, I am in the same house. I'm in the same locked in environment where every time someone says something, you can't trust it at face value. It's very toxic as well for your mental health. You know, and, and I think my mental health is better as a result of it. But when you're in that experience and you say, hey, Kevin, you want a piece of toast? I'm like, why does he ask me this? And you're <laughs> hyper analyzing everything. And it's like a weird, weird uh, experience to go through. Coming out of it, you're just like, took you, it took me, a, you know, a long time to, to decompress and, and heal and look at it from a positive experience. But like, you know, survivor winners and stuff, big brother players, they all like report a minor PTSD, not everybody, but a lot of people like it's a really, really wild experience and I'm glad I had it, but I, I would love to see you jungle. You ever apply for the amazing race or survivor or there's yeah, tons of shows yeah, now yeah. you have. Well, we'll see about that. Uh, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's not that easy to get on. You have to be like a huge fan of the show and all that, but uh, that, yeah. that helps quite a bit. I mean, that's actually how they should do it. Uh, I think because that's more fair and it's like now if your soul's invested in the game it's you, you can't like there's no buying that right it's like uh, it's 
more authentic and it's more authentic to the game whereas it's it's less corrupt as it's not like you just buy away with money or fame or something like that i actually respect that definitely um i've had like people betray me and things like that over mm. a large uh i mean it's kind of common ish in poker people you thought were your friends betray you over like large periods of time um you know i've had traumatizing betrayals i mean that aren't i'm not even sure if they're on purpose oh yeah man especially especially with someone like you who found some financial success and stuff like it's you know there's going to be people that just take advantage of that and then just see you as an opportunity you know and uh as a result i've always been a big proponent of like keeping my inner circle very small. I have a small group of friends. I've never had like a ton of friends, but I have a small group of friends that I would literally do anything for and I would ride with forever. Um, and you know, I, I expand the circle and let people in, but it takes it takes a while for me to open up um, to, to people and let that in the, the inner circle because you know, people out there are savage. There's a lot going on. And, and especially with someone like you who got, you know, a lot of attention and, and, and money and stuff, you know, you can heal from that though. And then, you know, hopefully a, a positive experience in hindsight. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's one thing I've realized lately is that actually you should like, it seems to be better. Like I had this belief that you could, uh, it's good to like kind of cast a wide net, but I still kind of think you should be open somehow, uh, but not to uh, be like, or to be kind of reluctant, as you said, to let people mm -hmm. uh, too close and start doing business and things like that is like pretty, is pretty, um, it's not a good idea to like throw business around, but uh, the other person I really thought I could trust uh, turns out I couldn't. And I've had like a number of stories like that in poker, for example. It's like kind of one of these things where all this weird stuff happens if uh, if you let it. But that's another wow, story. I haven't huh? been burnt yet. I've been very careful, but you know, uh, I've been very careful, and I haven't been burnt yet, dude. The other, it's a little bit surprising. And like the other day, I was in Vegas, and you know, I was about to play a big game, and uh, my wire bounced. I sent a wire from Canada. By the way, dude, the financial system, bro. Like, I, you know, I've just started playing some higher stakes games. I've sent like five wires. I think three of them have bounced. I can't figure it out, bro. I can't figure it out. I can't, <laughs> and it's so frustrating. I hope we go crypto heavy soon. Um, but like the uh, casinos. Uh, some tournament places, like if you play in, it depends. There's a decent amount that uh, will take crypto in some kind of way, or people will take crypto. Yeah. Well, the wires, man. I've been so frustrated with them lately. The, the people don't understand the free flow in, like, anyway, I hit up my buddy. Hey, bro, like, I hate to do this, but, like, can you lend me 100K? Sure enough, I walk over to his house. He, like, flicks me four cranberries. He's like, okay, pay me back when you I'm like, this is wild, man. Not many industries, like, can have this free-flowing amount of money, but... You have to be very careful out there because, you know, poker attracts an amazing group of people. But because of that free flowing nature of the economy, it does attract a lot of scammers, a lot of scumbags. And, yeah, you got to be careful out there for sure. Well, Did they hit you for lots of money, Jungle? Did they get away with a bunch? Uh, I got hit for lots of money, yeah, in all kinds of strange ways. Um, like there's been all kinds of times where other people got scammed with me. As of first, it was me being an idiot, an idiot, and then that was like everyone was an idiot, and then I like went down with the idiot crew uh, a bunch of times, and we all felt stupid, basically. 
It's the less private games, usually the better. That's my personal advice with all that stuff. Gotcha. But, uh, Interesting. That's how, that's how streaming seems good in that, I guess, they can't really scam you in streaming. You can't get scammed as far as I'm aware. Yeah, no, no. Online poker, you know, feels pretty safe over there. How many people are using some tools behind the scenes? It's unknown. You know, I know for sure GG is absolutely trying to bolster up the security where they can. Um, but, dude, the, you know, poker's changing so much, dude. Are, are you familiar with baseball and what they've done with baseball this year? What's that? Baseball just had a, a bunch of revolutionary changes implemented this year to speed up the game. The game was dying. It was too slow. It wasn't stimulated enough. Hmm. And they put in a ton. They put in a pitch clock rule. They changed like five or six things. And it's working. It's wow. working. Average game length is down 25 minutes so far. Really? From three hours, 15 minutes to under three hours. Yeah. And, of course, like, I, I think we need to take a massive look at live poker. I think we need to take a massive look at live poker and we need to figure out how do we make this game faster and more stimulating? Because the game is great, but the pace is unbearable. The pace is yeah. unbearable. And if we're gonna attract the newer generation with all the opportunities they have to play Fortnite, video games, these are highly stimulating products that are getting sent to, 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 to everybody. I, I wish we could make poker 20% faster and like, I was kind of inspired by what baseball did this year, and I, I want to put together a list and to see if we can revolutionize poker in a way because the game is so great, but the pace is too slow, Jungle. I'm happy to uh, work on that also and like to try to make that a reality for sure because I think what I'm thinking is, I mean, it's partly the players, which I'll get to in a second. I'm just, yeah. I just want to point out, I find it almost unbelievable that, that, that whoever got together and said, okay, we're going to change baseball, I just can't. Mm -hmm. Like, that's kind of a big undertaking to actually happen. Definitely. Um, and then it's well, it was a huge it, process. Like, it was like these guys, it was a seven-year plan they've been working on, and finally right. they got it in this year, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, that sounds about right. Like, the whole <laughs> seven years makes sense. But uh, poker acts pretty fast, so it's definitely possible to start changing things quite fast. I mean, I definitely yeah. think it's, it's good to somehow make it faster and to somehow make it more entertaining for the people who are losing and also to somehow attract the people who are gambling on other things anyway, like slots and yep. what are their other house games Sports. anyways, just because just because it's, it, it's actually, you actually have a better chance in poker and it should be more fun because now you're playing with people instead of like looking at light up numbers on a screen kind of thing. Um, I do think that the players need to, uh, somehow be more attractive to the audience though like i think uh tournament poker especially yeah dude i mean poker as a uh, a tv sport is really really suffers you know there's some sports that don't translate or some activities that really struggle to translate to tv and a uh, poker poker struggles uh, for some reason and this is a thing i've been battling against my whole content career and I think why some people bought into my content is because they, they're bought into me, my story of trying to, like, you know, achieve financial freedom. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, how can we make poker faster and more fun for TV? That's a, that's a good question. It's a very, very interesting question. I'm not sure the answer. It's really difficult. The stand-up game is good. I, I don't know if you played up game. Yeah. Love the stand-up game, but it, it cost me a lot of money the first time I play it, played it. But uh, a very so funny know. game. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you can get screwed pretty big on it. And another thing, uh, so you know, the, the stream cash games are another story 
from the uh, the tournaments just because you get a couple of gamblers in there and suddenly it's not exactly the same rodeo that it's like another planet compared to the tournaments with everyone like staring at each other and like not saying one thing and having yeah. to play like these solved pre-flop ranges that yeah. you know you can just look up online these days and, I, uh, I, I, I think the best poker content ever produced was probably those main event episodes. They mm -hmm. did a fantastic job of going into the field and just aw finding these awesome moments. You know, almost like, think about the Masters. We have a golf tournament coming up. If there was a constant live stream and we just had a 24-7 camera on one player, it would be very boring. But what makes those broadcasts very engaging is it's the highlights. They find the best bits and put all the bits together. When you're live streaming, you know, a tournament table from the PokerGo studio, there's so much dead time. So much is not exciting. Oh, for sure. And I think the, the best content we've ever seen is that main event episodes where they were going through the field. Oh, they went right to a river spot here. Oh, this guy's raging. This guy has a costume. We're following stories <laughs> here. I think I think some form of that is like the closest we can probably achieve. Um, it's too bad those are gone. I love those main event episodes. Do you do anything like kind of equivalent when you're streaming? Do you do anything uh, special to like uh, to get the entertainment value up? And also, I think it's like not bit, that yeah. easy to be entertaining for eight or nine hours. Yeah, exactly. Like so I used to be very heavily on the entertainment side when I was playing micros or whatever, but now that I'm actually trying to play bigger binds and the competition's tougher, I've calmed that down a little bit just to like use all my energy to actually play in the game. Um, but I mean, absolutely. Like I'm, I have multiple tables going, but on my stream only one spot will be shown at a time. Kind of like the highlight, basically. Um, and there's other things where I was doing giveaways and fun stuff, but um, we do what we can with it. Uh, it is tough. It is tough to compete at the high level while focusing on your audience. So, I mean, uh, dude, I mean, but that's why tournament poker is so good because when you make that final table and you have a chance to win that money and every moment means so much, God, it's just like it can hit such high strides. And I, I, I'm always very bullish on poker content, but um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot out there, you know, jungle. The attention span of these kids is shorter than ever. Yeah, yeah, I'm wondering what the – how to, like, beat that. Maybe it's, like, not even – well, we'll think about it anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I read that you had a burnout in 2019 and you took nine months off. Yeah. Uh, what happened and how did you get back on your horse? Yeah, Ooh, 2019. That was, a, that was a rough year of my life. Uh, what happened? It was a combination of things. I was still somewhat going through some of the trauma from Big Brother and I had yet to really heal from that experience. Plus, uh, my dad died and my grandpa died uh, all at the same time. And I was burnt out. I was just like so over poker. And it was just this combination of things. But like, I feel like I lost my way in a way. And it all built up to me just needing to step away from the game. And I, I quit. And I totally expected to leave the industry. Um, and then, yeah, nine months. Didn't make any videos. Didn't play any poker. Uh, and it was actually COVID that re kind of got my juices flowing again. Um, COVID was like a wild event in a way, a tiny blessing for me in that it got a chance. It, it made me realize the, the scope of life and like it reinstilled my motivation to do something special. And um, that, that huge break off, I really, really rediscovered my passion and decided to come back to the industry. So yeah, it was a combination of like all my family members dying and Whoa. just a horrible, horrible year, man. It was really sad. Yeah, it doesn't sound like 
uh, a good recipe for for good times no it's horrible man really really tough and like yeah uh I, maybe i'll go deeper into what happened there in the future but like uh yeah fucked up stuff for sure which was really hard but you know you go through those tough times you again heal and then you learn like how precious life is and um yeah just want to make like an amazing difference for my family and i, I don't want my kids to go through that pain of losing their dad young so uh we're gonna turn something positive out of it all right well that sounds like a good plan i will say those tough times are a lot worse when you're actually going through them they look they look good after after the past uh but yeah i'm very sorry for what's happened uh, oh no problem man no problem so I know that um, you've uh, recently decided to give up weed. Any uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, any yeah. other life changes in the mix? Do you do you smoke weed, Jungle? I actually um, I do not smoke weed, and when I have, I have found it very very hard to concentrate. My mind just like mm. spirals off in a million directions. Yeah. What the? F- so I have a hyperactive brain. I never got diagnosed for some like ADHD or anything, but I have an insane brain that just goes constantly. So, you know, wake up, stream eight hours, play poker, your mind's firing. At night, I was really struggling to wind down, and it was leading to bad sleep and me like being restless in bed. Weed was so good, man. I would smoke a joint, and it would just hit perfectly, and I could just vibe out and like find this like peace and let my brain wander through like consciousness. I really enjoyed it, but it just became a problem. I was smoking every day and I was like looking forward to it. Sometimes I would like, you know, kind of like I have two tournaments left. They're small buy-ins. Okay. We're just kind of, Oh, let's get in the ace queen for 27 big blinds. Like, cause you're just like kind of wanting to wrap up the day. You're looking forward to getting high and just based off of like my life coach, Elliot Rowe and my wife specifically are like, Kevin, it's becoming a problem. And, and you're like, you're right. So I gave it up cold Turkey. The detox was so bad, man. It was so horrible. And I was like, wow, I was more addicted than I thought. So we're on the other side of it. I haven't touched it in a long time. And, you know, I'm not giving it up for life. I love, you know, using drugs to explore consciousness. And I think I will do that more in my future. But for the next three years, I want to reach my peak in poker performance. And I feel like weed was holding that back. And I would forever regret it if I didn't try everything in my power to reach the peak of performance for uh, my poker career. So, yeah, we're on the other side of it. By the way, when I was detoxing, I played a few sessions. Bro, I just got murdered. Like, you can't think my brain was broken. And But now that we're on the other side of it, I, you know, it's ready to crush again. Yeah, I would imagine that it would be uh, a bit of a hurdle to to have, uh, yeah, to to have some, yeah, to be smoking all the time. And definitely if your goal is to uh, reach the top of poker. Yeah. It sounds like the right choice. Dude, so many the poker's changed so much and like when when was your origin days? What time period? In two thousand and uh I, the first very first time I started was two thousand nine. Ah, okay, that's twenty fourteen. Yeah. So yeah. you missed you missed Moneymaker, you missed the poker boom, you missed uh those crazy times. Yes, I missed I more or less missed a lot of that stuff. Yeah, it's true. God, sometimes I wish we could transport back and just like get a sense of it. You know what I mean? Like our skill set, like I'm not a, I'm not a world-class player, but I've learned how to, you know, use the, the Sims and understand strategy, equity, polarization, like these concepts I've understood, you know, if I was magically transported back, I would probably be like an Isildur level player, like someone who was just such a crusher because the game was so different. Now these resources are available to everybody. Um, not that people know how to use them or take advantage of them, but it's just, uh, it's a different world we're in, you know? 
Yeah, well, one thing I could say is that uh, maybe you could do something cool with this, actually, is you could go to um, other places like Japan or potentially or it's blowing up in Vietnam these days or other deep WPTs like there's one in Taipei coming up um, and like do something there and it'd be like a little taste of what it was back in the day. Like, I don't think... Yeah. You know, they're up to date with like the hottest sims or yeah. I live like in Alberta. That. I live in Alberta, Canada, and you know, this place might be the closest to, to two thousand six that we have. To be fair, dude, people are getting better. The last couple of years in Alberta, Canada, like people are using the correct sizes and like their three betting strats are better and stuff. So I, there's people doing work, but I mean games are still very good in uh in, in Canada, of course. By the way, shout out to dude, I I did a podcast in 2017 where I, I was a little more cocky back then. And like, and that was when I was really crushing some live events like jungle. I went on this run in 2017, 2018, where I rattled off like four main events in Calgary. I had this crazy ROI. I won like a quarter million, you know, off of like maybe like 40 K of buy-ins. I had this crazy Alberta run. And then uh, I did a podcast where I was where, with Joey Ingram where I was talking about how the fields were so soft and it got shared in the community and I was a bit of a villainized figure because I was like this kid that was winning everything and talking shit. But no, I'm, I'm more in touch with the Alberta community now. We uh, we have some laughs about it. But, dude, poker's so crazy here, man. There's so much gamble in Canada. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was We just had a tournament series. They ran out of dealers, bro. They ran out of dealers. We just had this tournament series. There was a three-hour line of people holding $1,600 in cash wanting to play this tournament. They couldn't take the money. They weren't prepared. There was That's a three-hour so line. Yeah, so crazy. It's so frustrating. Yeah. All right, maybe the operations here. Maybe Canada is the new frontier, I guess. Could or, be. I don't possibly. know. I, I want to go to Canada more anyway just because everyone's Dude, always angry a, in the USA and all this other stuff. Dude, I'm telling you, there's a different vibe. So I, I travel to like Los Angeles, Vegas, like play events or whatever, and I'm in this concrete box and everything's like so stimulated. My nervous system is like, when I'm in LA for five days, I'm like, just like so tuned up and wired up and it's like, wow, I got to get out of here. I come back to Canada, there's farmland, the sky is blue, I can breathe deep and like... <laughs> everything just relaxes, you know what I mean? And then I'll, like, restore my dopamine before I go out on another adventure to some state. Uh, yeah, dude. Dude, uh, Timex and a bunch of people live up here in the mountains. They love it. I'm surprised you've never been. Um, That's kind of on the radar in a way. Uh, one thing that's been in the mix of sorts of an idea, when you're feeling adventurous, uh, this could be an idea worth pursuing, is, like, going... Well, I mean, Canada could be somewhere, too. I mean, now we're kind of in the... Actually, right now I'm kind of in the mountains and the middle of the icy, uh, <laughs> middle of the tundra. But uh, to to go through Alaska, for example, but mm. like it could totally be Canada as well. I just don't know one thing about the Canadian uh, Arctic or <laughs> whatever. But we could like that could be definitely some content of some kind of uh the great alaskan trail the great canadian alaskan trail through the arctic or whatever yeah we we trek through alaska but every second day we set up our computers and play online poker so it's one day we we hike through alaska the next day we grind <laughs> online you know some sort of like mending of the worlds is a uh, very interesting oh that could be fun one one thing i was yeah. doing i was in guatemala and i had like a sim card and i was playing like some app on my phone while i was like 
randomly like walking around this volcano in Guatemala. That was kind of wild. But like maybe there's like a better way to do that. Um, yeah, yeah, that would be an interesting idea to explore. Dude, if you ever want to come visit, come to the mountains. Come to Banff, Jasper, the mountains, bro. It's it's one of the most beautiful sights in the world. You stand on that mountain and you look out. It's so picturesque and so pure. Uh, like uh, you know, people come from all over the world to, to to visit. There's beautiful parts of Canada for sure. All right. Well, that sounds like a good plan. Any other plans for you coming up? Do you have anything else else you'd like to talk about? Yeah, man. I, I want to shoot some videos. I'm going to be playing a bunch online. We're looking forward to WSP. You know, in uh, uh, this summer, I'm looking forward to the main event. Ready to bust off a deep run there. What's your What's your deepest run on the main ever? I think I haven't gone that deep, and I think I've made like day three or something. Ah, I've had very poor main event results, but I I think I've made a breakthrough, dude. Last year at the main event, I played the main event like an online one k, and it's mm -hmm. it's really different. The main event is different. I I think I've mainly finally made the connection where you can just be on such chill control and accumulate chips, depending on the table draw, of course. But uh, anyway, I'm excited for the main event coming up. The best tournament every single year. Um, dude, I, I, I've been a No Limit Hold'em guy forever. If I wanted to maybe just dabble in a mixed game or two, uh, well, like, what would you recommend? Because you're, you're all in the mixed game streets. Do you mean like one of the mixed games? Or do yeah. you mean like another game in general? I want to play a couple of bracelet events this year that are not no limit hold'em. What's a game I could learn relatively easy and maybe you know be live at, not be stone dead? Um, it depends on what they have. Uh, I would say, I mean, definitely PLO and short deck are the ones that you can have quite a big edge against. I mean, short deck is quite challenging. I think um, it took me a while to play, start playing really, really well at cash games and short deck. Um, I, I don't think these other people will play deep very well at that game. It's it's like quite tricky once you play mm. deep, and it does it's not really the same as uh, PLO in some ways. But for a hundred anties, it's pretty simple. Um, if if it has to be like a limit game, uh, I would say limit hold'em isn't that hard to learn. There's also Sims on it. These the stud games are a bit strange. It, the draw, I mean, yeah, the draw games, uh, you can have a big edge in Badoogie specifically, but it's not that easy to learn. It's also kind of strange. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I, you know, maybe want to dabble in some of them this year, but, you know, it's hard to bang off a No Limit Hold'em bracelet. There, there are a lot of players to get through, and I feel like those mixed games might be a spot. Uh, Yeah, there can be some spots in them, and the dealer's choice especially, I think, if you know, like, a handful of games like if you know like all the big bet games in dealer's choice mm -hmm. that that seems like if you know a bunch of big bet games you could probably crush that just yeah. because like the limit games there's not a big edge in really dude are you gonna ship the uh players championship again oh, that's the plan actually i've got uh this time i've got a bit more of a long-winded plan uh and we'll see if uh let's see if i'll be the one to take it down um but dude, uh, this man. time i've had that there's some flow of flow of life going on so we'll see that hand where that that uh, ryan lang folded like for 120th pot or something with top hair <laughs> that hand is so funny man that hand was just so unbelievable you're obviously value betting on the end right you just think your hand is good <laughs> yeah 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 i mean i guess 
<laughs> so like such little more. He's like, oh man, they've always got it. Oh, it's top barrel. <laughs> Dude, that was unbelievable. Your reaction was so funny. You just couldn't believe it. Oh yeah, man. that was like a straight up miracle. Um, there might be some. And you went on to ship. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want what twenty twenty one? You want it twenty twenty two. 2021, 2022. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So 2023. Three Pete this year. Yeah. Yes. Um, dude, what was who's that guy who's winning every single? Adam Freeman. He just wins the Dealer's Choice every year now. Like, hasn't he won it three times in a row? Maybe he's got to be stopped. Yeah. Exactly. You could be the one to stop him. Dude, I just I'm a no limit guy, man. Especially with content, like. People relate poker to two cards. There is room for maybe getting weird in some other aspects, but you know the clicks are always going to come with no limit hold'em, and, and so I've kind of like specialized in that. But there's a piece of my soul wants to learn the other games. I think I, I really enjoy now that I understand the basic fundals, fundamentals of GTO poker and equities and how they work, and like you know just the basic fundamentals. I feel like I would have a lot of fun learning the other games. You know, I like I if you, huh? If you sat me down and gave me coaching on, like, stud, and let's say you gave me five hours of coaching, I played for ten hours, I studied really hard, how bad could I be, man? I don't think I could be that far behind the field if, if I really tried. No, I don't think you would be. I could, uh, I think, yeah, I think I could help you. One thing I'll say is that uh, the, the mixed games are definitely a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. They are also a lot of uh, work, and they're very challenging. Yeah. I'll say uh, I had many different many different um it was a long road to learn the mixed games and uh specifically a couple things i don't really know and ring studs that well um but otherwise now i kind of know pretty much all there is to know i would say i mean there's you know how limit mixed games well i mean that's humanly possible to know i guess you could say yeah. Uh, but it depends on what you want to do. It's it's uh, it's more on like the fun side of things. There's not like a there's some money in them, but it's not comparable to like if you're already killing it streaming. I would say. Mm, very interesting, man. Very interesting, dude. Let's shoot this. Uh, let's shoot this video. Hundred in hundred prop bets in twenty four hours. All right. I'll send you a list. I, I already got a. We'll have to have a call. I have hundred and ten ideas already. I want your ideas. We'll have to go through our best ones and like. You know, basically, I have my camera guy. I would just need, uh, you know, 36 hours of your undivided attention to be, you know, present and engaged and gamble with me. And I think we could have a really fun video. That sounds like a plan. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll discuss uh, firm details after. All right. Uh, yeah. All right. Sounds good. Um, any anything else, uh, last words or anything you want to promote before we finish up? Dude, man, always good to pick your brain. You've always been a, a fascinating guy to me, and there's some similarities between how our brains function. I think I've really enjoyed mm -hmm. this. Um, dude, just like, you know, I want to crush, bro. I want to crush. The next couple of years, I think poker is booming, and I think content is booming. I just want to be at the forefront of it, and, and I keep going back to just, like, how to grow this game, how to make the best possible stuff for the audience. So I'm dialed in and motivated. If people want to find me, you can hit me up on uh, Twitch, Kevin Martin on Twitch. I'm dropping a brand new website. I got merch coming out right away, kmartpoker.com. Right. You can find me on all the socials and, and follow my journey. So I uh, appreciate that. Take a stop by Kmart, guys. Yeah. Check out the merch. 
blue light special. All right. Uh, all right, well, thank you for giving us your time, uh, Kevin. And yeah, let's do this prop bed thing. Let's make some killer content. Let's do it, man. I'm booked. All right, cheers, man. Thank you so much for having me.